2: That it does in the air everywhere. Another podcast palooza kind of a day here as we are back the weekend kicking off because four hours a night are not enough. We do this eight days a week. We thank you for finding the podcast, for supporting the podcast, for downloading the podcast, telling friends about the podcast, and uh, we, we do appreciate it. And joined by uh, the guy west of the four hundred and five, he's on Gascon time, Uh, right over there. David
0: Gascon making his way in to the podcast studio. I'm on on two time zones, three time zones: Pacific, Eastern, and Central European time. Yeah, my clock is a little janky. Like to brag about that, you know. Like no, what you yeah. what, what? you operate with Darcy? What time do you guys usually go on Darcy Down Under? Uh, Darcy Waldergrave, which is
2: on uh, Saturday mornings at eight in the morning. Eight your time, our no, no, time, it's New Zealand time. it's like eight thirty or something in the morning. But it's uh... what's their time difference with us? Well, I do, I do it at one thirty California time.
0: Oh, get okay, Pacific. So okay, they're
2: okay. uh, like nineteen. Is it nineteen hours or something it's like that? It's not good on a weekend. Yeah, it's a different world. I mean, they're ahead of every. They're the beginning. What's the last time zone? I know they're the is New Zealand and Australia, are like the first time zones where the clock turns oh, over. Where's would the it last? Be, time? Would it be Guam? Is that the end of it? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. What is the last time zone? The last that brings up the rear. Yeah, someone's got to be last. If someone's who first, celebrates someone New Year's last? Yeah, I don't know.
0: Uh, I'll look it up.
2: All right, just Google it. That's not what this is about because this is about hanging out and chatting. We don't have guests. We have people that we like to talk to. and I am excited. This is a guy that I go way back with. Uh, Someone that when I was a radio stringer, a radio reporter, and covering games, I spent many a night hanging out with this guy at games, after games, going to sports bars, eating cheeseburgers in the middle of the night, having a grand old time. And someone that I encouraged to work at Fox Sports Radio, someone that I wanted to get in to to Fox Sports Radio. Which bothers
0: me, by the way. Why does that bother you? Because... You encouraged him to work here, and you encouraged me to go work in China. Like, what kind of an asshole does that? I, I encourage you to work in
2: China, West Virginia. Bakersfield? Uh, work, Bakersfield. Yes, I'm looking out for you. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the story. You've got great stories now,
0: Geska. Oh. You've got great stories. Yeah, Could you imagine me in China right now? Oh, be wonderful, yeah! I'd be wonderful. I'd be fucking. I'd be a be CNN big. blowhard right now, celebrating would, their 100, 100 year anniversary.
2: You would be big in China. Yeah. You would be very big in China. Yeah. You would. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, it's listen. Executed. All right, I, let's get into it. Steve Desager, a man of mystery, the great Steve Desager, longtime radio personality in Southern California, but on the national airwaves for many, many years. But speaking of that, now Steve, my memory is a bit. Hazy, at this point, uh, I do remember Fox Sports Radio before Steve Desager worked at Fox Sports Radio, but you have been a staple of the FSR radio family for how many years? How long has it been? Gracing the airways of
4: FSR. I may not be that good at math these days. It's certainly over a decade. It's closing in on 15, I believe. Uh, Also at our anchor studio, I believe Deb Carson was hired two weeks before I was. So literally there's not been, to my knowledge, there's not been a full-time opening in 15 years in the anchor studio. Because wow. no one leaves. It's like you. I remember, <laughs> actually, you brought me into the studios. Of course, people probably know Fox Sports Radio's headquartered in L.A., and that was Deb's first night, actually, that she was working. And you said, oh, listen to this guy that's on the phone. He's reporting from college football, Dan Byer. He's got the greatest job. He just gets to go to a different college football game every Saturday. That's all he does all season. <laughs> and Dan is now, of course, the head anchor. He has the title manager of Fox Sports Radio. So, yeah, yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, I remember. And I when thank you, by the way, because I remember when you and I would sit in press boxes for years. You used to live in Orange County as well, and when you went up to Fox, you would say more than once, "You know, you ought to work there." And eventually, guess what? Now, now I work there.
2: Well, no, listen, I, I, as you know, to I, I think very little of many people in radio, but you're good, and I like <laughs> good people, and I thought uh, you got, yeah, we've got to get you in there, and I'm glad. It didn't take long. It didn't take long to get you in there. But I remember Deb Carson's first night. She came in all dressed up. And and I like it was like, TV. Yeah, and I was like, "Dad, we're doing an overnight weekend radio show. What are you doing?" <laughs> I mean, no one's here. And the, trust me, if management comes in, it's only because the radio station's on fire. So that's the only way they're <laughs> yeah. coming in here. Oh,
4: yeah. Or or the only other time, literally the only other time I've seen management in there on the weekends was when Andy Roddick and his hot wife were both in there <laughs> oh, guesting yeah. on some show. I'm not well, kidding you. That's the only time I've seen management there on a Saturday.
2: Well, no. I mean, listen. If there is if, if you look at the the setup if there's an ex-athlete in there like a powerful person i remember when the late rush limbaugh would come in during the week and it was like there were people scurrying around trying to make sure everything was clean and you know it was uh, putting everything in the proper place and all the executives were there when when yeah. rush would come walking into his studio which was the, the studio was just a crown across the hall around the corner there what he would do yes. when, when he was in la and uh, but but other than that yeah i mean i i would you know i'm not there at during the, the daytime during the week, which I guess you are, uh, but I don't see... I don't see anybody uh you know.
4: i love that our offices are actually separate from the studio you have to go outside cross the plaza and go upstairs to where management is so it's very rare that management comes in that is a great thing for the workers just for the record if something happens you know they can email you or let you know but usually you don't see them and as far as uh, the worst story that i can remember as far as people being asked to show up because somebody famous or somebody would pull Stephen A. Smith, do you remember that he was on our network briefly? Oh, yes, he did. He a, had he the early a, morning show, and right yeah, before he yeah. was going to start that, they asked the board operator, hey, can you come in and maybe, you know, a chance to just say hello and something like that. And so it said, you know, what's four in the morning or something like that. <laughs> and it didn't mean <laughs> anything, and the show was off pretty soon after that. It was just workers are being asked to coddle fame too often for my taste.
2: Yeah. No, I, I remember uh, Stephen A. It's really amazing. I mean, listen, the guy's, the guy's a huge star at ESPN. But I remember when he started, he actually did a weekend show in the early days of Fox Sports Radio. He was a columnist Uh-oh. in Philadelphia before he went to ESPN. And he did a weekend talk show with John Ireland, play-by-play guy. It <laughs> was the the Lakers, Lakers announcer. Yeah, the Lakers announcer for many years. So they did a show together on Saturday mornings. And, uh, you know, Stephen A, I, you know, he would show up, you know, he came, he lived on the East Coast, but he'd come into LA and he'd hang out, you know, part of the year. He'd do the show from LA. And I remember I was doing the, you know, I was there on the weekend, so I, I ran into him a few times. And I'll, I'll never get one time John was late coming back from a Laker road trip. At that time, he was the sideline reporter for the Lakers, mm-hmm. so he was traveling with the team. But he was late getting back, and Stephen A had to do the show by himself, and he was, at that time, he hadn't had a lot of experience working by himself. And you know, Steve, it is a much different animal when you do a talk radio show by yourself than when you've got you, somebody there. You would know that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you've done some talk as well in, sure. uh, in the past, but but it's it's like it's a total – the, the preparation, the amount of laser-like focus, and uh, Steven was not quite prepared for that at that time. And – and, uh, and you know, I think I was one of the few people that was listening, but it was very awkward. It was very awkward, uh, but obviously it didn't hold him back. And then, and then he got let go by ESPN, and he came back,
4: and you're right. They gave him the morning show at Fox. Which means, by the way, it's an L.A. studio, 3 a.m. Pacific, I think, is when it started. So it would be morning drive on the east. Yeah. And then the reason why it didn't last, I am told, is because then he couldn't be at games or what have you in the evening because he had to wake up so early. First thought, maybe... Maybe we didn't know this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I don't. I don't don't think they're going to change the time of the games to accommodate anybody. I I mean, I'm going on a limb there, putting my neck out on that one, Steve. I'm putting my neck out. Maybe Uh, for
4: you, Mister Late Night. You know, forget uh, the weekends for you. You have owned the late night during the week for quite some time, and now, of course, with the podcast, you're making the big bucks. Who doesn't make big bucks off a podcast?
2: Well, uh, I'm raising my hand over here. Yes, God, complain every. (laughs) How long have you had this podcast now? By the way.
0: Two, uh, two so, years, six months, 27 days. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: everything
4: every behind the calendar. Listen, the I, could, I
0: could buy a book of stamps now with the money I've made off this.
4: So, in other words, <laughs> you, know, if, you if, finally come to your last guest on the list in that I was asked to be on the show. You know, You're he, out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Full-blown full disclosure, he ridiculed me for booking you on the uh, on That the is not true at all. It that is, is a lie. I have text That's messages. No, here's what happened. So I,
2: I had, uh, you know, I, I would try to book ahead. Right. We try to book ahead.
0: I try and, to book ahead. I try to book. I ahead. try to book ahead. Ben, ben tried book booking ahead. a guest two weeks ago. No, I'll tell you who I failed tried to miserably. Right. Hold on a sec. So
2: I got an email from the publicist of Michael K. You yeah. know who Michael K is to uh, say, you know, announced. yeah, the Yankees announcer. Right. So he wrote a book and he wanted to promote the book. And so he does an afternoon drive show on the ESPN station in Manhattan.
4: So he he's very proud of that.
2: Yes. And, and he beat Mike Francesa in the ratings and he loves to tell you let about you that, know isn't? that. Yeah. So anyway, like he can't, we normally record at the time his show is on in New York, so obviously he can't do that. So I've been logistically trying to work out with his publicist when we could get Michael on to do this podcast. So I gave them a bunch of times, which would mean I'd have to stay up even later, which is fine. I mean, I do it and record it. And so... The, I'm playing email tag with the publicist. The guy gets back to me uh, on Tuesday, says because uh, we were supposed to we were supposed to tape something with Michael K on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, and he said I can't you know he can't do it. And he's like, I'm still efforting, which when huh? somebody says they're efforting, that means they're not doing it. <laughs> efforting means they're not it's not going to happen. So then I, I say all right, we've we got to get somebody on the podcast. I went to, to Gascon, and then Gascon was like totally gobsmacked totally like flummoxed by the whole, the whole situation. So that's, yeah. that's it doesn't take,
4: Steve, it doesn't I do take have me. a suggestion at this point of the podcast that you could yeah. probably get Clipper Daryl because he's always no. available at this
0: time no, of year. No, you know, yeah, well, that's wow, true. That's
2: a I mean, cheap shot. Right? <laughs> and, and by the way, DeSagui, listen. I mean, for those who don't know, one of the reasons I like you is I remember you wearing
4: Clipper paraphernalia. From oh time yeah, to time. I, I used to go. To, we would have people visit from out of town. We would go to Clipper games. Yeah, it would. Yeah, of j- course, it, jacket, was, it always right? been an easier ticket to get.
2: You had a jacket, right? A Clipper jacket. Oh yes, I was it? given
4: yeah. to it when I when I worked in Anaheim. I was given those. Uh, what is it? Silk satin. Sports jackets, the 80s things that you would see like on Lakers finals videos where the ball boy is wearing the, you know, I got one of those with the clippers and it's the blue. I love those blue clipper colors in the past. I still have it.
2: Yeah, no, I remember you would wear that from time to time. And it was great. That's why the Clippers are the people's team, Steve, because you can go. The sports arena is gone in
4: L.A., but you could go there and
2: you can get oh, a the ticket.
4: Sports arena. The sports arena was a dump. It was. Are uh, you uh, going to tell the story? Because you used to cover what? Clipper games next to the Coliseum yeah. in downtown L.A. I yeah. remember once where were not you playing like some touch football game in the parking lot? of the LA Sports oh, Arena oh, yeah, after yeah. A game like midnight
2: downtown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just not far from uh, South Central. Yeah, we would we exactly. Would go, you know, in my my uh, as you know Steve, I grew up out there in my you know 20s going to games and I had no girlfriend, I had no life. I had my life was revolving around my job covering the games. And yeah, we would play in the parking lot just in the shadow of the Coliseum next to the LA Sports Arena. We would play like football in the mm-hmm. middle of the, like after the game we cover the games. You know, you get out of there at like 11 o'clock maybe after the game when you do the post-game stuff. And sure, say, and who uh, doesn't
4: want to hang around downtown L.A., especially yeah, yes, back then yes. in the dark at midnight?
2: Yeah, especially I mean, in those days. As you know, it's a little bit better now in that area around because they built a soccer stadium there. Oh, I it's built you, right on top of where the Clippers used to play next to the college. Yeah. There. The last time I was in the sports arena, I was, at a, I was covering a USC-Notre Dame game and the the parking was all messed up so the overflow parking was on the floor of the LA Memorial <laughs> Sports Arena. so i parked I parked the Malimobile on the floor, Steve. <laughs> I had a photo. I can't find it. I have it somewhere here. And that was that's an arena that has hosted NBA Finals games, uh, NCAA tournament. That hosted games.
4: the Democratic Convention with Kennedy when it was new. That's yes. how old that place was next yes. to the And
2: and my last memory is parking my car on
4: the floor of the arena. Uh, it was uh, it I was, do recall uh, after one of those midnight football games, you can't down ill, and were not able to cover the next game or two because of that.
2: Well, well I had some some. You know what? I really got the sickest I got was in '95 after the baseball strike of night. Remember, they didn't play at the beginning of the year, and so oh, it like a, after
4: we had missed the World Series '94.
2: Yeah, yeah. So they came back and they they had to they had to kind of jam in as many games as they could, and so and I'm such a knuckle. Novel like, concept.
4: They'll never try that again in mm-hmm. any sport. Yeah, exactly.
2: So or, like, I, got, I I got, I got to, uh, I got to go out there and you know cover every game. And the Do- it was literally every day Dodgers and Angels were playing. Like, you know, <laughs> either one was home and then one being, the and so I, I, don't know, I went out there so much and I got so sick. I was like, ah, it was brutal. But from the,
4: the weather, first? you mean not the food.
2: Well, the food was not helpful. As you know, I eat a lot of press box food. I don't eat much <laughs> of that anymore, but I used to, you know, I still eat popcorn occasionally. But uh, I
4: can yeah, add, but, ladies and gentlemen, that in the many years of being in press boxes, in Orange County, for example, with one Big Ben Maller, and he, he used to earn that nickname in the old days, by the way. did, yes. Uh, that uh, when I was, you know, covering Mighty Ducks hockey games, for example, I was there as a member of the working press. Ben was enjoying the oatmeal raisin cookies that were so profitable. <laughs>
2: Well, now, now, technically, I was on assignment for the Mighty 690, but <laughs> I was enjoying uh, the, uh, yeah, they had those nice, and I liked the, uh, the what was the, uh, the sugar cookies. Those were good, too. They had mm-hmm. the sugar
4: I remember the playoff, when they finally made the playoffs, and then a real hockey team, the Detroit Red Wings, came to town and swept them. But one of those playoff games went past midnight, as I recall, and then we, with our post-game show I used to do, we were on till I think, little 2 in the morning, something like that. I got to sleep at four in the morning but at midnight at the hockey arena they had run out of ev- everything even water at the press box wow, they were yeah. literally trying sending interns to different parts of the arena to try and find something because it went to a second overtime of course hockey overtime could go forever
2: yeah so for those who don't know you you are a man of mystery steve but
4: you Not you really
2: worked, you worked in orange county when i first
4: met you was it it was K-E-Z-Y, right? In That's the correct, AM's. which used to be a legendary rock station. They had an AM across the hall, which I know you visited once. After yes, an angel yes. Game.
2: I love going to radio stations. That was very exciting to go to see. I, I'm a radio nerd. It was cool to be there.
4: Uh, it's not yeah, well, there it's anymore. In the it's, we're kind of nerds in that way. But, yeah, I worked through 1999 until that place got sold. I worked in Anaheim. And that well, was a lot of years. Well, wow. by the end of it, that was a Korean station. Later, I worked at what when Pete Carroll's USC team was on radio. At, we had a, Santa, a station in Santa Monica, and we carried USC. And then that got sold, and that became a Korean station, too. So I'm two for two. Stand by, Fox Sports Radio. So
2: the investors who are looking to turn... Yeah, boy, if they turn uh, this network into a Korean format, <laughs> I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. With 400 but, uh,
4: affiliates, that would really yeah. do something.
2: But you hosted...
4: It was called Duck Calls, right? That was the... That's right, the, the post-game the, hockey talk, yes. Yeah, we you would take my, calls and then, you know, have the analyst on or what have you. And by the end of it, you remember back when there were there was a sports bar in Anaheim near... The, where The, the National sports, sports, sports Grill! The National yes. Sports Grill, yes. Used to do the show from there after the game. And once the parking getting out of the Ducks game was so bad, it was the closest I came to missing the start of the show, which, as you know, is a truly <laughs> horrendous feeling. That's the stuff that... For a radio person, literal nightmares are made of.
2: <laughs> yeah, I spent many a night at the National Sports Grill, as you did. We would hang out. We go to yes. go there after games and uh, all the finger and, foods, the sampler, buy the ten dollar sampler. Yeah. Were you there the night that Jeff Juden, uh, famous? Were you there that night? Do you remember the Jeff Juden incident? I'm not sure if you were there that
4: incident. Night. No.
2: Yeah. No, no. He was a you know he was a pitcher, journeyman pitcher, bounced mm. around the Angels picked him up and so he was like playing pool by himself at the the sports bar and so uh, one of the guys went up to him said hey can you know you want you know want you know play pool or whatever and then he asked what we did and said when the you know radio and he said no he wanted to play by himself instead of, <laughs> instead of hang out hang out with us but uh, yeah the nationals so was he
4: basically said no I'm a first round draft choice and you are the great unwashed forget it
2: yeah but he's also the same guy if I remember correctly who missed a start at the beginning of the season when he was with Montreal because he got a tattoo and it became infected.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific.
4: Frankly, shows don't do this enough. Your overnight show was always so good at occasionally, just conversationally like this, bringing up odd baseball injuries. Yes, yes. You and I could go back and forth (laughs) forever with, you know, hey, Ricky Henderson once fell asleep on his ice pack, or, you know, so-and-so was playing guitar hero so much that he actually hurt himself and couldn't pitch in the yeah. next game. There's a long list of those injuries.
2: Well, there's the, the, so many. Sammy Snow, Sammy Sosa's sneezing, and and they claim that he had yeah. back, he had back problem. Or
4: someone getting a hot foot where they set your cleats on fire, and he hopped yeah. up so much he injured himself. My favorite is, I think it was Yvonne Calderon of the American League at the hotel room, was having a nightmare of being chased by spiders. Oh no, that and was Glenn. It, Allen, that was
2: Glenn. Allen Glenn, Hill. Allen, Glenn Hill. Allen Hill. Yes, yeah, Glenn yes. Allen Hill. and he yeah, at,
4: yeah. in his hotel room, like crashed through a glass table.
2: Yeah, what because favorite, of a nightmare. What was the? There's an outfielder, Marty Cordova. Remember Marty mm-hmm. Cordova? He sunburn. Got, Yes, he, he lay he fell asleep in a sun sunbathing machine or whatever and he, uh, <laughs> he that and I, I always bring up Richie Sexton, which is one of the greats of all time. Remember in spring training, he showed up, he was out of the lineup and he had he really nasty headaches. They thought maybe he had some kind of cancer in the brain or something like that, and it turned out he's just wearing a hat that was too small. <laughs> he, he didn't,
4: he, he didn't he Get the didn't doc on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I that? did bring this up, actually, uh, recently on Fox with Brian No who's a Cardinal fan, because I brought up the, the Vince Coleman injury. People... Who are younger than we probably don't remember that for the National League Championship series, the best stolen baseman in the league was not available because he got his foot run over by the rain tarp on the side of the field. (laughs) 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 The tarp injury.
2: Wasn't he part of the 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 firecrackers at Dodger Stadium? Was he involved in that also? You know, you
4: cover Dodgers longer than I. I believe you have stories also longer than I regarding the old days of Dodgers. I have
2: a few. I know a few where the few of the bottom. Bodies are buried there, and uh, remember, there was a player for the Marlins, Chris uh, Coglin. Remember, he he, uh, one of the shaving cream pies. They had won a game, and they they mm-hmm. he got injured after a walk-off win because of a shaving cream pie in the face. He tore some ligament in his <laughs> leg, which is <laughs> odd to me. But uh, I mean, we yeah, we used to.
4: Well, that was great. I, I Trevor Bauer remember. cut his finger once playing with the drone. So. Yeah. That was well, a playoff start that was missed. Ah, uh, we long
2: for the days when that was the Trevor Bauer story that we talked <laughs> about. We long. We hey, long s- for those speak days. Speak
0: of longing for days, I don't know if you remember this, Ben, but Steve, we talked about this the other day. I have an old picture of you two knuckleheads. Media yes? Day, Dodge oh, Stadium. Media oh man. Steve, oh yeah. Steve Steve, you look exactly the same.
4: I, I probably do. Uh, you know, there was this four, and it was one of the great points of our professional life, that we could actually play a baseball game at the field of Dodger Stadium. Yeah. But the Dodgers for many years would have... Like before a Saturday night game, they would, with nobody in, the, in attendance at Dodger Stadium, they would have a game between the print media against the electronic media of Los Angeles. And they would give you uniforms for the day, and you could oh. take batting practice and shag flies in the outfield, and the field was yours for the whole day. And I saw one Ben Maller hit a ball on a bounce to the left field wall. It was a stunning distance for a media member at Dodger Stadium, the uh, same place where Mike Piazza and all these other guys were yeah. hitting back in that decade. Uh, <laughs> I do remember the knee injury at first base, but yes, even more, I, I, I remember injury. hitting I it got injured. to the left. Yeah,
2: yeah I, may, I uh, attempted to run, which was a mistake, and I hit the first base bag and my leg kind of went all over the place. And I ended up on the Channel 11 News in L.A. that night.
4: Uh, Randy Cardoon <laughs> uh, put me on the Channel 11. One movies. of our players, yes. Yeah, was on the, Rick on the Garcia TV. was on the team. Stu Nahan, who was the TV guy in L.A. before Fred Rogan at Channel 4. Yeah. Stu was like the player manager of our electronic media team. And it got late in Stu's years where he couldn't run. And so I was only there maybe two or three different summers at these media games at the stadium. But... One of them, I was there. My name wasn't on a list, so I couldn't get into the lineup. But I'm still there. I still got a uniform on, and Stu couldn't run, so I was his pins runner for every at-bat that he had. And he I would, he was a left-handed hitter. This is Stu Nahan, who is a local legend, but also like was the announcer in the Rocky movies, all of this. So he's batting left. He would swing, and if he made contact, I was standing there near the right-hand batter's box at Dodger Stadium, run down to first. I wasn't a runner like you take over at first base from home, like it's a T-Ball <laughs> game or something. I'm running for Stu. And I wound up coming around to score, and it was 1-1. And you mentioned on the local news, our game-winning run that night was on the local news because A. Martinez, who could play, wound up having this great slide at home, and then we all celebrated throwing water on each other. It was a great, great night. And me hitting a, in a previous game, a line single to right center, remains one of the highlights of my professional career.
2: Yeah. I'm right there with you, When I, and he, and I'm glad you were there, and, and I would that would have been a home run to say I used a Corey Snyder wooden bat, and I, if I had used a metal bat, I am convinced that that would have been a home run, and I'm a knucklehead because I wanted to use a wooden bat, and they had metal bats there, and I sh- should have used the metal bat. And I also remember uh, Steve, uh, what was it, uh, what was the guy, uh, there was a guy that was a ringer from Long Beach State. Do you remember the guy that Stu brought in?
4: Really, because there have been many Long Beach State guys into the pros. By the way, Corey Snyder played Olympic baseball when Dodger Stadium hosted the games in 1984. He was on that team with Chris Gwynn and some others.
2: Now, I remember we were losing one year. I don't know if you were there that year, and Stu had brought in a guy from Long Beach State as a ringer to play in the (laughs) game. We could use him. He tried to sneak him into the lineup for some extra at-bats there because we were behind. And then at one point, Stu realized there's so many ex-players in the media that he could get X players to play on the media team. And and kind of give us ringers in that regard, like Rick
4: Monday pinch hit or something. Exactly, exactly. You know, I have a yeah. you know a, a
2: bona. Fide well, didn't you didn't you hit against Rick Honeycutt the long time? Yes, Roger I got a hit coach. against Rick Honeycutt, a base hit to center field. Rick Honeycutt led the American League in earn run average <laughs> in like 1983, oh I think. No, just, listen, listen. listen yeah, if you, you want to play not... Ben Maller, bingo. There you go. <laughs> no, that's
4: no, but you your right <laughs> corner slot.
2: Who would I describe you as? I I think your style is that you were like Vaughn Hayes. You reminded me of Vaughn Hayes, like when he was cuz I was skinny. Yeah,
4: cuz you were skinny, you were lean yes. and mean. Like who else uh, Unlike who Vaughn he? Hayes with the Angels, I did not make the 5 million dollars a year, which then, as you recall, yeah. forced Jackie Autry to start charging the media for meals in no the press way. box. That was it when they started paying Vaughn Hayes and Huey Brooks. Yeah.
2: Well, how great is it now? I haven't been to an Angel game in years. The last time I went to an Angel game was when Artie Marino got upset with T.J. Simers because of a column he wrote and moved the press box down near the foul pole. Right.
4: Still the there, NCAA. I understand. The press had yeah. very few seats in a suite way down the right field line, and some of the seats you cannot see home plate from.
0: Did, yeah. Didn't you guys tell – I mean, I remember this, I think, last season, or at least when we were at Latta Dodger Stadium, Steve – well, we were there, all three of us were there together, but Steve, I think you were mentioning that, I forget who, I don't know what former owner was, or I don't know if it was Lasorda, but they would come in the press box and start hunting down reporters?
4: Oh, I was there when Stan Caston let loose on Bill Shaken of the L.A. Times right. in the Dodger press box. What was that about? It was about the Dodgers had just announced that they were going to have the All-Star game, which of course has now been, for a couple of years, postponed. They still have the All-Star sign up in the stadium, not moving that. Uh, And so uh, something else... Uh, came into the LA Times article that wasn't more, you know, the PR piece that he wanted for this great day of announcing the, Do- the Dodgers are going to host the All-Star game in the first time in the decade. So he, with, I believe his kid or nephew or grandson in tow, looked through the press box seat, said, we're shaking, and then went after him. Like, I like I have not seen in a Los Angeles press box happen before.
2: Well, I was there the night Steve when remember Tommy Lasorda was the briefly the general manager of the Dodgers. Oh, after and, his
4: managerial days, yes.
2: Yeah, and it was it was hilarious because and I loved I loved Tommy. And Tommy, he said, listen, you guys can write whatever you want. I don't care, you know, whatever. So then, like a week later, Doug Krikorian wrote something nasty about Lasorda in his uh, column. Uh, <laughs> Doug Krikorian, a columnist in Long Beach. And. <clears throat> Lasorda came in the press. Where's Where's Krikorian? Where's Doug? And he's like trying to hunt down Krikorian. And he was in the in the media dining room. And, and he, Tommy comes over and just reads him the Riot Act. It was
4: uh, it was. Well, hilarious. of course, even when Tommy was happy with you, you didn't want to be next to Tommy speaking because, <laughs> as I recall, once I was sitting with Chris Myers and Bill McDonalds and, and some people. Uh, in the Dodger dining room that you mentioned, and Tommy comes up because he knew them, started to chat with them, but he's standing over my shoulder. I needed a rain slicker. Man, just don't. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, uh, you know, the Indian name, Dances with Wolves. Tommy would have been Spitz when he talks because it just yeah. was always the case. Don't be around him. Nice well, a guy. He could be a fun guy. But you you saw Colin that used to be his personal assistant for many years. Oh, I always yeah, felt sure. so, far, so sorry for Colin because he would really take it on the chin some time, being around Tommy that often.
0: Yeah,
2: and it was funny, when I started covering the Dodgers, Lasorda was still managing the team, and so I would go in there, and it was the the two different personalities of Lasorda. When the Dodgers won a game, he was out in front. Yeah, you know, they had the spread of food in his office. So the players oh, had to come in to his office to eat after the game. So there'd be a stream of players on their way out, they'd get a doggy bag and go home or whatever. Sometimes they'd eat in the clubhouse. And uh, but when they won, Lasota would sit on the front of his desk, smiling, bubbling, you know. And then when they lost, he'd sit behind his desk eating and not stopping eating while he was answering the question. And as someone, <laughs> as you know, Steve, getting audio here, it's Ruin not. It. Yeah, I mean, it's. And then he would spit all over the mic, you know, the mic cover that I had, and it was a uh, yeah.
4: Well, also, it's like uh, when Jim Tracy was the manager of the Dodgers, not that many years later, he would always answer your question, putting the first name of the person who asked it into his answer, which would also ruin your audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, in that third inning, Steve, well, great. Uh, If your name's not Steve, you're probably not going to be able to use (laughs) that. I think one of the last times with Tommy and food, which was such a huge part of his life, honestly, uh, that I was around him was, you know, our friend Petros, who's the famous local TV host on our LA affiliate. Yeah. Petros happened to be in the company suite at Dodger Stadium for one particular night just a couple years ago. And he his family, because his family owned a restaurant, they knew Tommy for years, Uncle Tommy, he, without fail, always called him. So Petros had the suite for the night. It's his family, his people only. And they called down to where Lasorda always sat near the home dugout, and they asked if he could come up and sign some autographs and take pictures. And sure enough, he did. By the sixth inning, the door opens, and in comes driving, you know, those little carts like the people wheel through the aisles of the supermarket. Tommy was in one of those. And he took every picture and signed every autograph, and then everybody filed out before the game was over. And then it winds up just Tommy and me in the suite. And a bunch of food. So of course, Tommy is very interested. Even his security guy had left to go repark the car, get it near the entrance, getting ready to leave. And Tommy looks over at the spread, which of course there's plenty left. Wow, well, what have we got here? So I'm trying to see what's in the middle of the sandwiches for him. And so I give him one of these half a sandwiches on the paper plate and he looks at me like... Come on, like a little
3: more. <laughs> we got fifty
4: sandwiches left over here. His, his exact words was, "They're just going to throw it away." So by yeah. the end of me piling on and the chicken fingers and everything else, and literally bottles of water that hadn't been opened yet, all in the the little cart basket in the front of this scooter that he had, <laughs> he went out a much heavier cart that he came in. Wow, that's well. He's right. They are you know, not the
2: water bottles, but they throw out them, <laughs> the other stuff. You if like, it's free,
4: it's free. for me. That was always the case yeah. with Tommy. I remember one of the Dodger reporters telling me that when Tommy went back to Philly, he was from Pennsylvania. A guy said, "Hey, come by my tailor shop, and you can have. I'll give you. I'll give you a suit." And of course, Tommy for sure went over there. So he got measured and spent the whole afternoon there. And then he comes to the counter with three suits, and the owner looks and is sheepish and says, "Tommy, I can, I can really." Only do one suit for free, and Tommy just blew up and threw the suit down on the <laughs> of the
2: Not worth his time, man. Not worth his time. Uh, well, it was like that old the, the Jim Healy show Freeloaders
4: update. That's and, uh, right. Media like- Freeloaders.
2: Dateline, Dodger Stadium,
4: and uh, yeah, great. That is the radio show that we, even long before I knew you, used to always listen to. Jim Healy would have a sports commentary show, an afternoon drive, where he would, now it's commonplace on sports radio, that the board operator will play little sound bites, clips into the show, and they can be really creative and funny. Jim Healy's entire show was that. Every couple of sentences. And the thing is, he was his own board op. He would be reaching for the cart machine to play while he was trying to read his own script, which in itself was sometimes comical.
2: Well, and the technology that we have today compared to how he did it is just, as you referenced there, is insane. And he was a big influence on why I wanted to get into radio, the Jim Healy show. And I remember when I started, and I started out like 19 years old, and Healy was still on, and everyone would at 5:30 wanted to go out and hear in the parking lot and hear what Healy was going to say, yeah, and and the dreaded six o'clock tone. And it's it's really funny. You mentioned Stu Nahan, the manager of our media team, but when I first met Stu. As a media guy, and I'm still a kid, you know, I'd watch Stew on TV growing up. But my memory of Stu, every time I saw him—was in the press dining room at Dodger Stadium or somewhere else, <laughs> eating. And I just my my mind would go to uh, you know, Silver Tip Stew,
4: they called. And them he them. would always like, play a sound effect of pigs snorting when he <laughs> yeah, mentioned media preloaders yeah. and all the food they would consume yeah. for free in yeah. press boxes. Like he, And it didn't really matter
2: when. I I would try to get there early to games, you know, because I want to soak it all in. And no matter when I got there, Stu was already eating in the press room. It was uh, was unbelievable.
4: And also, Healy, I mentioned cart machines. Everything that used to play on the air and radio back then had to literally be on tape. You know, something advanced from cassette tapes, but something you could physically touch, hold. And now I remember you telling me when you first started at Fox, didn't you start as the job I have, that David and I have, as anchor, before you got into your own show? and mm-hmm. that meant you had to find the sound bites of the ball games or something to play in your report. Yeah. But nothing was on physical tape. It was a new system, a computer base, where you could just press play and just as easily delete something accidentally.
2: Yeah, yeah. I remember when I got in, I, I, one of my first gigs when I was in San Diego, I, as an intern, I had to pull the carts, the spots, uh, for the – for the shows, and and then they they the technology obviously changed over the years. Now.
4: Well, but when you were an anchor, I do remember one point yeah. where you you did some home run happen, and you did accidentally delete it out of the system. Oh entirely. no, 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 no. There, there, there were some
2: epic disasters when I was an anchor. <laughs> Which meant ter- that
4: you said for the next three reports, you kept replaying the play by play of a single by Craig Paquette.
1: Like, <laughs> like that was a
4: big news. You, well, you <laughs> but play it's with, all you had. You
2: play what you have. yeah because the. Editing, there's an editing department with a lot of people behind the scenes that edit at Fox Sports Radio, and and you know underappreciated, underpaid mm-hmm. behind the scenes people. But in though in the early days, some of the hosts were complaining we didn't have any sound, so they hi- they had Craig uh, who's in the back there. Uh, they had him, and there was, there was that was it. They had one editor. And and then the 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 anchor was expected to cut up the sound as they were you know doing their job or whatever. As and, we
4: all used to, I used to do that in Anaheim. I used to yeah. used to wait for the ABC feed to give me the evening sound because I had a late night show and I could actually get sound from games that happened that night. It was revolutionary. People yeah. don't remember that when we were tiny kids. The 5 o'clock news, the only baseball highlights you would see was if there was a Cubs game because they could tape the highlight off WGN or something. Other than that, even before that, they used to literally have to film the local ball game and come back and develop the film at the station. So they rarely had highlights from the late innings because they needed the extra time. So when you go to Dodger Stadium now and they talk about any Dodger great Don Sutton in history or something, Usually the only highlights you will see will be stuff that was televised like a playoff game. There usually weren't a lot of regular season home games carried or film available from regular season games.
2: Yeah. Uh, hey, b- by the way, fun fact. I don't know if I've told you this. Maybe I have. So years ago, wrong button Bob Garup, We call him wrong button Bob. He, he went <laughs> pretty yes. back. He shut down. He, I told him to reset my computer. You have to go into the, what we call the rack room. Oh yeah, all it's, it's, all, it's an all
4: computer room kept at a very controlled temperature, unlike some of the other rooms. Yeah, that's where the that's
2: where the brains or the the heart of Fox Sports Radio is the, the technology stuff. So yeah, and there's a literally computers everywhere you look and all this stuff. So he, I said, Get, can you reset my computer? He said sure, no problem. So he goes in the back to reset the computer, and he hit a button that we didn't know exist. He <laughs> shut the entire network off the air <laughs> thus the nickname wrong button bob and so the most amazing thing is he didn't lose his job the second most amazing thing is that we found out the emergency programming if fsr goes off the air they have uh, yeah. up in the master control they click a switch and they put emergency programming on right yeah. and so the emergency programming the first voice was you. It was Steve DeSager. What? Yes, you were on the – it's supposed to be an evergreen feed, but it was you giving college basketball scores, <laughs> and this was like during the summer, which <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense. And, Just but, so there but, wouldn't be dead air, give old scores. But you're, you're, you're happy to know, Steve, if there's like a nuclear disaster or some kind of global event where wow. the network goes off the air, your voice will be played because I'm sure they haven't changed that. I'm sure it's the same
4: <laughs> – audio that they've just kept there for all these years, just in case wow. anything happens. See, so, who says you don't learn anything on podcasts? That's right. See, you, I'm even you, on one. I just learned something I didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, what, and you've been
2: very good at staying off of... like You're on social media, but you're not on social media. I give you credit that's for correct. that. Because I hate social media. And I'm on there for work, but I pick and choose. I don't get paid to be on social media, right? That's my argument. I don't get paid. I get paid by Fox. I don't get paid by
4: the people at that's Twitter fair. or whatever. You so already have a brand, unlike some people.
2: Well, no, but I mean, I go on there. I mean, people get upset. You've got to you know, deal with the trolls. No, I not have to deal with the trolls. When I feel like it, I'll deal with the trolls. But you've been able to avoid that. And I give you credit for that, Steve. Well, I just know, I never I have
4: felt like I wanted this. As much as I adore sports, I really do. But I just didn't want the job to consume me. There are days that, that you know, they won't let me work. And I just want to take those days off. I'll still watch whatever ball game. Game, you know, from my couch in the evening during dinner or something, but I'm not going to be tweeting during it. So I follow Twitter, and it's very valuable during my shift at the studio. But I don't tweet, and I don't tell you, "Hey, I'm standing in line at the store." And you know that's just not me.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't do it either. And, and like I, I stopped years ago. I did like live tweet during games. I very, I might do it for a Super Bowl or something like that, but I very rarely. Uh, or do a that Clippers anymore. playoff game. Well. <laughs> only, only when they win. Only when they win.
4: <laughs> oh, right. as close as ever this past year, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, unfortunate. And then Kawhi got hurt. And-
4: it's still a little fresh. I
2: can hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Suns, though. I mean,
4: you know, because it, it used to be the good old days. Remember when Elton Brand played a game seven in the second round? <laughs> so now you've yeah. got something yeah. past that. I
2: was at that. I traveled to Phoenix uh, when they played the Suns, and Clipper Darrell actually got on, he got off the team bus. They took him on the road trip. It was crazy back in back in those.
4: Uh, yeah, that was of course uh, Staples Center days. You remember the, like when Mark Jackson was playing with the Clippers at the Sports Arena, which we referenced early. I yeah. covered. I remember a uh, Clippers game was the last game. Of the season in the 90s and it was when David Robinson scored 71 points on the last NFL oh yeah I wasn't at that one I, That was to win the scoring title and yeah, remember... Madonna was there because Dennis Rodman was on the team and they were together at the time and she's, she's sitting in the first row and at one of the timeouts the Clipper girls are dancing to a Madonna song She could not have been less impressed. She didn't even look. She was busy (laughs) in her conversation. She did go in the Spurs locker room afterwards. It It was a very strange day altogether, capped by the fact that it was a real 71 points that David Robinson scored. It wasn't like, let's just not play defense or anything. He was great.
2: Yeah. Well, she's the material girl. She can't be bothered (laughs) I
4: mean, I can't, I can't. <laughs> she was bigger than all of this, is yeah. what we got the impression. And you know
2: that may have been. I have, I um, have you know, fond memories. I mean, those. I remember at the. I covered the Lakers at the Forum, unfortunately, uh, and the Clippers. But like Jack, Jack, the, you know, Jack Nicholson. You know, he would come in the media room at the Forum and get coffee. And, <laughs> like, I, can't, I mean, just like just hang out. he owned the place. Well, yeah, I mean, but it was very odd, you know. You see, this at that time he was still a huge Hollywood, you know, star, and he just be hanging out. Yeah, he used to go um, to road games too back then and the playoffs, having a having a cup of coffee. And then the sports arena was such a dump; they had those troughed bathrooms, and it was like the only time there were any real people there was when the Celtics or the Sixers or the Knicks or the Lakers were playing the Clippers, <laughs> and so or the Bulls with Jordan.
4: Otherwise, they, they literally were averaging like six, seven thousand for for an NBA season.
2: Yeah, I was there for a preseason game against the Denver Nuggets, and we counted the crowd. It was like 700. We literally <laughs> counted. We were so bored on Radio Row that we counted the crowd. But you know,
4: I, I can bring this conversation full circle because on that Madonna day, I am reminded that one media member who was in our media baseball game at Dodger Stadium as well, Norm Peters, happened to have with his notes and everything else in his bag that he brought to the Clipper game that day, happened to have, for some unknown reason, an 8 by 10 of Madonna. And she has to be there. And he the, he actually got on one of the one of the Hollywood news shows and entertainment tonight, one of those the next day, with a B-reel footage of Norm getting Madonna to sign his 8x10. And Norm wow. still has that to this That's day. That's great. Now retired, by the way. Norm uh, retired. Norm yeah. used to be at the f- yeah. first row the table with the clippers announcers on prime ticket as their statistician for years you could as a camera went left and right throughout the game you could always pick out norm yeah he was not only a great statistician but exactly the right mentality to be that you have to be a little picky because that's what the job demands and that's what makes the broadcast better he was great at that
2: absolutely yeah, well steve we have uh, gone way too long but uh, we you know listen you were so much better than most of these people that we have on the podcast well, we should have you on again we'll what a great you...
0: <laughs> fucking idea yeah what a great fucking idea you can't curse guest gun I mean,
2: well if there's going
4: to be swearing i'm not sure if i'm going to yeah, return yeah, cause, I, uh, I mean, now i can't man, tell anyone to listen I, to it I, I, gr- exactly. I guess this is
0: kind of an homage you, to steve though in some ways because Ben, it. i bet i know you don't you guys haven't seen each other in what like two years right
4: I did see him in the parking lot. He, he yeah, occasionally, I, very okay. rare occasion, showed up to the studio post-pandemic. Yeah, I so, ran into so you So, Ben,
0: there. the <laughs> sneaky little thing, I'm going to peel the curtain back a little bit for you and for the audience. Because Steve and I work similar schedules <clears throat> Monday through Friday. And certain shows that we're on, like typically your show, how it's structured, like if you're starting at 11 o'clock and you're going to 12 on that hour, you'll typically toss to Eddie at the bottom of the hour to see what's trending at 11.30. Or yeah. more along the lines of that time. A
4: normal host might do that. Yeah, yeah
0: normal host. Well, the shows that Steve and I work on, he taught me this trick. The shows that we work on don't break at the bottom of the hour. They'll break at like 38, 39, 40. Uh-huh. So Steve taught me, he he, say, he sat me down one day and he said, David, I, I need you to do this and, and emulate what <laughs> I do. It wasn't quite that. He says, for as long as they go over the bottom of the hour... Your update needs to be equally as long. (laughs)
4: <laughs> not equally. It's just that I have no qualms about going long if you take eight minutes to get to us. So that's the best part. So like clearly sh- the clock means nothing. You right. can't suddenly mean something <laughs> to you. So As this- you should, by the way.
2: And let me tell you, some of the shows, Desega, you've worked on, you are better than the people on the show. I'm just, I'm just pointing that out. I'm not saying maybe maybe not now, but back in the day, that's all. It's
0: it. just great though when you come back from break at the bottom of the hour for the last segment. And the last segment's like sixty seconds in length
4: or thirty. Well, to seconds. to be fair.
2: <laughs> I have been guilty of that from time to time myself. I have um, occasionally uh, had committed that cardinal sin. But uh, Maybe you ought
4: right. to tell Eddie to do this.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, listen, we, we love you, Steve. I'll uh, catch you up with you. We should go. And, uh, remember, didn't we go to Tommy's one time? I think we went to Tommy's. Yes, time, since the here.
4: original location yeah. is near Dodger Stadium. That was another 11 p.m. burger run. Yeah, I
2: used to eat, I used to eat at Tommy's a lot back in the day. Anyway, that was the old you, Big Ben Maller. That's right. I'm a big, now I do this intermittent fasting, so I don't eat that much. Uh, but I'm not like I can't be like you. You have the greatest. Uh, your body processes food. I'm sure you eat, Steve. Oh, plenty. Yeah. I am so jealous. Of yeah, I still
4: look like Von Hayes
2: in a baseball uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an outdated reference. I got to update my <laughs> reference. But anyway, all right. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it, buddy. See you both. See you.
1: Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern,
0: 11 p.m. Pacific.
3: Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.